last season on Lawful Stupid. After the struggle and the emotional turmoil that Gus has endured, he finds peace. And I think there's a sweetness to that. We look back in time. Declan happens upon our, our young hero in the making. What's your name, little one? Well, I'm Drake, sir. I want you to take me to where the dragons are. Drake joins Declan. Drake uh, is, is getting into his teenage years. He's starting to doubt the uh, <laughs> authority of his father, Declan. He's going to seek out the one person that has carried on Findle's legacy, and that's Kristoff Shindo, baby. Out of nowhere, the temperature drops. I heard you've been looking for me. You're him. You're Kristoff Shindo. I know you are. Yes, yes, that is me. What can I do for you, little one? Ever since that day, I haven't been able to get dragons out of my head. I gotta know more. I gotta see him. You might be the only one who can help me. Kristoff snaps off his mask, and he hands it to Drake and says, Maybe you can carry on where I left off someday. Thank you, Mr. Shindo. He curls up that night, clutching this this silver mask, and he dreams of dragons. But when he wakes up, there is a small dragonling. In his arms. What does Drake name this dragonling? Glorp! A familiar figure approaches, and you would know that it's your older sister, Darling. I got something for you. You seem rather obsessed with, we'll say, religion of Zacchaeus Blanc mm, and hey, dragon. I've learned a lot, actually. How would you like to meet him? Oh, Barry the lead one, oh, just sister, what are we waiting for? He's gonna hop on Glorp's saddle and be like, let's go! Darling leads Drake and Glorp to the doors, and together you cross the threshold into the corridors. We hear the sound of laughter. We hear the sound of cooking. We smell a stew that reminds us of home, that reminds us of comfort. We see the home of Paul Barra. And we watch as Paul Barrow attempts to save his son. And this cycle continues. He tries and he fails. He tries and he fails. And no matter how hard Paul Barrow runs, no matter what he says, the warnings he tries to shout, each time he has to watch his, his child plummet to his death. And so once more, Paul Barrow wakes up on that same day, that fateful day, and, and he, it, the agony that he has been through in this loop. He has spent months failing to save his son. He wakes up to the sound of cooking, to the smell of his wife's stew, and the laughter of his young child. Dad, Dad, let's go play! Not Nelson, I have to take care of your mother, but I will be with you very soon. Okay, fine. I'll just go play by myself then. Yes, yes, be very careful. Again, I'll be right behind you. Of course. And little, little Babbo runs out the house. And the, and the world to Paul Barrow almost looks like a watercolor painting as he ex- re-experiences these memories. And, uh, and Paul Barrow's wife is sick, but still... You know, gets out of bed to cook. She she loves her family that much. 
she's paralyzed. Does she have a wheelchair? I don't know what that is. So just make sure, because she is paralyzed from the waist down is the thing. She was injured in a wrestling accident. And time in. She, she likes to cook. E- even with the, the struggles of, of her impaired mobility, um, she does... She does cook. Um, as Paul Barrow's tidying up the house and, and, and preparing to to uh, chase after uh, his son, is, is there anything he has, has tried saying to his wife or tried doing? Because he's, he's been in this loop for, for months. I've imagined at this point he's tried so many different things, but is there anything he tries this time? You know, it's almost like... A- to the point where he he tells Pababo he'll be right behind him, and then he's he's helping his wife cook. All of that happens the same. No matter, he can't force his way out of that sort of minutia each time. But there's a specific moment when he's like tidying up that it clicks over to him being able to like take control. Um, and it's the same point every time where it's holding him back just long enough that he can't get there. And in this time, he stares at the door and he just kind of falls to his knees and stares at the door. And Paul Barrow hears the laughter of his, his young child running, certainly, to his doom. And I think if you give me the creativity, <clears throat> I think that kind of out of Paul Barrow, where he would be, where he would normally take off, he sees almost a vision, just as a light silhouette or shadow, maybe even of like himself running out. And and what what occurs from that? I think Paul Barrow begins to wonder if the months, even the the few years maybe he's been doing this, something is changing. With persistence, something is changing. Like in wrestling, you have to try and move 100 times, 200 times to perfect it. And I think he sees that. And maybe even it's not true, he thinks, I got to keep trying. And so even this time, he will get up and run. He will get up and run. He knows. He knows that he's already. He, that it's already happened. But he gets up and he runs it. And Paul Barrow, like like you have done, time and time again, you rage and you barrel through these woods, digging deep. And I, I think there you do see images of yourself in in, in previous attempts, almost after images of your failures uh, as your psyche begins to be frayed by this this repeated torture and I think that pushes you further and I think you I think Paul Barrow pushes his body past its limit he starts to feel his his joints creak and crack as as he runs but ignoring that pain he pushes forward, and as we see little Bappo um, teeter over the edge, we also see the blurred form of Paul Barrow as he is able to snag Bappo by the scruff of his neck and pull him to safety for the first time. he grabs him and he pulls him in tight and he almost throws himself away from the cliff onto his back and he's rolling around laughing hysterically, maniacally even. <laughs> My boy! My boy! We did That was it. a close one. <laughs> it was what too it? close. Oh. What do you mean we did it? You, yeah, you saved me. That was close. Oh. You... Don't worry about it. 
Let's head back. Okay, home. I won't. Let's yeah, <laughs> but we should probably build a fence. <laughs> we will never come back here again. We will, we will oh, rule this I like deck. it up here. No, we do not. What? We hate this. Okay. This childhood trauma I'll unlock you later. Are Great. Safe. Oh. Okay. Cool. Thanks. And he will. He'll turn back and look just at the the cliff where it's it, it, he's fallen over and over again. Um, and I think he sees after images of himself diving over this cliff. Like you, you've tried putting your like you've tried catching Babo and and taking the fall for him only to still fail so it's like you see these different versions of him sliding or jumping or or trying to do these wild attempts to save Baba let us go home this stew is prepared and so we see the image of Paul Barrow and little Babo walking through the woods back to their small cottage and almost lured home with the smell of of the stew and we watch as Paul Bearer lives the life he should have had yeah his wife does eventually pass and him and Babo are destroyed by it for, but they had each other and we watch as Paul Barrow gets older in a more rustic life. You know, he has a small farm. He takes care of Babo, and, and we watch as Babo grows older. And, and Babo builds a family of his own. Starts to work, work the farm, and there's a sense of peace there. Is there any wisdom that Paul Barrow, if anything, passes on to Babo. I think he says, um, if you love something, never, never give up. Even when it seems impossible. Even when everyone around you says, don't do it. Nay, don't listen to them. Chase what you want. And we, we watch as, as Paul Barrow's older form rocks on a rocking chair on a porch, watching as his grandchildren play in the yard. And our view shifts from this beautiful moment and this life that should have been. And we look at the frail, older, weak form of Paul Barrow laying silently in the dormitory of the wizard's tower of the Grand Magus's tower and we watch on as Paul Barrow remains dormant and silent forever living out the life he should have lived Interview shifts once more. We're brought to something different. Something unique. Something full of adventure. We find ourselves with a view of almost uh, to to it's an it's essentially an archaeological dig site. There's there's camps. There's people at work. Um, it's it's not super busy. It's like a half dozen of people or so that are kind of been working this area. Most people have kind of picked through it and passed over it. And therein lies where we meet Devin's new character. Hey, good day. Nice to meet you, sir. Name's Osiris Craggle. Why don't you uh, tell us about Mr. Craggle's physical appearance? Yeah, okay, go ahead and play the jazz music. 
Hey everybody, welcome to Lawful Stupid After Dark, Osiris Craggle, the sexy treasure hunter. <laughs> He's not very sexy, actually. I don't know, he might be. Um, so Osiris Crackle is going to be a medium average, medium to average height uh, human. I'm going to rogue with this guy. He has brown hair, kind of has that uh, that short cropped on the sides. I, probably military, a little longer on top so you can, can shape it. Um, it's a high he, and tight? Uh, well, I think, but it's like more, oh, think of like a... What's the movie that uh, Chris Hemsworth was just in? Extraction. That haircut, mm-hmm. man, sharp. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like a pompadour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The we'll short take pompadour. That. that sounds good to me. Um, he wears like a leather jacket uh, with like the like a vest underneath, shirt underneath that, with a collar. Uh, has a rapier that he wears on his back. Uh, leather pants, leather boots, and and uh, I think he's out digging, or uh, he's like he's like using the brush, and maybe he's like uh, been on a site in this area with his team. Um, but that's what he looks like as far as, as characteristics go. Yeah, and, and Osiris is an adventurer. He is somebody looking for something famous. And um, you hear you hear a young a young woman approach, and she's in um, you know what you would consider archaeological style clothing right she's got on you know pants and a duster and you know a hat and stuff like that and she says Osiris are you still digging at those runes you know we dig and dig until we find what we're looking for I see it I like it I want it I got it yeah let's work on it everybody's been here there's nothing left we need to move on to a different dig site you know, the moment that I give up is the moment that the thing I want comes along with some other lucky jab. And so, no, I'm not leaving till I find out what's in there. Is something here? I can smell it. I can taste it. What does it taste like? Dirt. <laughs> but it's there. I know it is. It's like a different dirt. D- don't most dirts taste? He, sco- he scoops I- up I'll something. He tastes you. this dirt. It's a little different. Guaranteed. I refuse. Nope. And she like backs up. I no. That there might be sand. Actually, I- it might just be. Yep, that's sand. You don't have to put that in your... Too late. All right, I'll 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 be back around dinner time. I'll bring you some food. Um, Thanks drink some water. Oh, I have been. And there's water in the dirt. Promise you. It's delicious. Uh, and uh, she exits. Um, and and I think you... you Osiris continues to work away on, on these ruins. Um, just picking away at things and using that little brush you're talking about and then and, and trying to, to dig up some stuff. Um, and so this, this young woman comes back and, um, and, and you know her, excuse me, you know her name to be Delilah. All right, and so she comes there. back, she comes back with a plate of food and says, Osiris, you have to eat. All right, what do we get on the menu tonight? Um, well, it you know, it's it Salisbury steak essentially. Ooh, my uh, favorite. Asparagus. It, is it? Okay, good. Though the asparagus does make my pee taste. I mean, I mean, I mean, not taste, but what? smell a little bit strange. What? You know, Osiris. Sometimes you, I sell the things they talk about. You gotta see someone. I do see you. I see you right now. Thanks for the meat. And he's just tearing through it. He's got to get back. To, he's got to get back to work. Yeah. So, and you do. You you tear through it, and and she just kind of watches as she slowly eats her meal. Um, and, and you know that Delilah is somebody you've worked with, and you and there's a small crew that you work with. You don't run it. You're not in, in charge of it. But you guys all kind of are trying to to either join the you know the wayfarers or or these other adventuring guilds for the sake of exploration but most of them have a high bar for people um that are treasure finders right like you have to bring something to these groups to just to to make an entrance right just to make an introduction and i think as as osiris turns back to the ruins he's been working on um you know there's like a and there's and you, you find something valuable. And as as you pull it off, there's this 
crystalline, crystalline, crystal, crystalline, crystalline, whatever you want, dude. Crystallian. I just mm, make that's words my up. Favorite, actually. Um, you pull a gem out, and it's about baseball size, and and it's, um, it's murky. You ever seen like a gem that's just kind of like, it, it just doesn't have a good clarity mm-hmm. all the time. And it's almost like there's this swirl in it, like this dirt swirl inside the gym. And who's around me, like when when I find this? Just you and Delilah. Is she like, still Delilah's eating? still eating her meal. Yeah. Do I trust that, like me and so we're in the same crew? I was trying to get this familial ties. You, yeah, you're in the same like group. You would trust her and a couple of the other people not to like take your findings, right? And and you would because I mean you've had other members of your like group. Um, find something and leave and, and nobody faults them maybe there's some jealousy for sure but you're not in a group of backstabbers um i, I think without turning to her without like like making any reactions that she would know right? say hey delilah what do you think it's going to be like when we do finally get in a crew well hmm. if i find something i'm gonna find me a nice crew that doesn't think women shouldn't talk. Oh, I never said that. I just said you should talk less. I'd love to hear the sound of your voice. I wasn't talking about you. Oh, well, I wasn't talking about me Thanks for bringing either. up that trauma. No, I was talking about someone else too. Totally. Hmm. Yeah. Well, hopefully we're not in the same group. Well, what but about... But that's just assuming you find something. What if I told you that I wanted to be a part of the, uh, the Phoenix Fortune Hunters? <laughs> uh, why is that funny? Yeah. What? What do you mean? Why is that funny? Come on, Osiris, be real. You got to start. You got to start much lower on the chain. You can't. What? What are you gonna find that they're gonna want? I don't know. I was just thinking maybe, just maybe, a large, extremely gigantic diamond of some sort, some jewel, some gem that they could, I don't know, restore power yeah. to. But why would they want that? Wouldn't you want that? Does anyone want that? Large gem? I guess a, a large magical gem that is all-powerful? Yeah, I'm in. You like this one? You get and one he'll of those, turn. And she looks at it, and, and she kind of like adjusts her glasses a little bit, and goes, it looks really dirty. And he'll like, he'll like, he'll like kind of use his forearm. He's trying to clean it off. He's, yeah, yeah, yeah. He cleans it off, and he's like, yeah, it is a little dirty, but... It's definitely a gigantic chip. Um. All right. Well, do you mind? And he'll lick it. You're right. Could be better. And she puts she puts her hand out. Do you mind if I look at it? Oh yes, I was trying to see. Yep, there you go. And so she takes it and she puts it in her hand and she says, "Huh. It was weird." It, it looks really dirty inside, that. and she kind of shakes yep. it, and and you see the whatever's inside it kind of swirl. Huh. All right, that's weird. Maybe there's uh, something to this. Do we smash and it open? Oh, she looks smash at you things. incredulously. No, we don't smash it open. Um, do you know any magic? I can make your money disappear from you if I need it. That's about it. That's a no. Hmm. You know, there's an old, uh, there's an old Elvish phrase. I wonder if that'll do anything. I don't know. Give it a try. What are you trying to do here? Uh, I just, I'm curious. Like, if it's magical, elves are known for being magically assholes, right? Like, no, I don't know. I wouldn't quite say that. Looks around. Is are there any elves around? Is she an elf? No, it's just you two. Oh. No, she's not an elf. Um, hmm. Interesting. What's and, the phrase? And she she looks at it and she very carefully. Does your person speak elvish? Uh, I don't think they do, actually. I think it's right. Some things so like in Elvish, <laughs> she says this magic phrase, and 
You see the gem, the stuff inside the gem start to swirl. And she goes, <gasps> I think it, I think it worked. Is it shot? Is it shining? It, it start well. The stuff in the it's starting to swirl around, almost like there's like a vortex in the center. Um, Osiris. Yeah. I feel funny. Well, drop the thing. Drop that bloody thing. We don't need you to get in trouble now. And the the gem drops to the ground, and it lands in the dirt, and and you see this gem that was swirling, is now still. And black as night. But Delilah's gone. Delilah? And he's kind of like, he's kind of like almost like falling back, looking around. I don't, is it the sun out or is it like sun setting? Is it darker? You're, you're in like a, like a ruin. So you're okay, kind of so like under, in a yeah, room. Okay. Yeah. So you'd have to like go out through a tunnel or whatever and get out. All right, Delilah, this isn't funny. Come on out now. So stop your elvish your babble and get are, out of here. Your calls are met with your own echoes. Um, he's going to run around. For, I think he spends a few minutes coming to the inevitable conclusion that this gym has done something terrible. Um, he will pick up the gym with a cloth or something that is not his him physically touching it in some way. I imagine there's like several like leather bags or things we have around. Yeah. Yeah, you you and 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 you're archeo- you're an archeo- archaeologist. You have things that you're supposed to pick up with, like you know what I mean? Yeah, like caliper. I have a calipers. I'm using calipers, and it just in no way is like yeah. he, he's freaking out. So he will take this, and he's gonna try to get as fast as he can back to someone who can help. And so Osiris does, and. This would be forever known, and this would be forever imprinted in Osiris's memory and heart, is how he was able to join the Phoenix Fortune Hunters. So he turned and that, over the gem with the Delilah in it. Good. Mm-hmm. The gem that's black as night. Every RPG player knows that the scariest final boss isn't Tiamat, Vecna, or Orcus. Why? It's none other than scheduling a game! That foul beast! It's no one's fault they can't make it, Tim. So how do we get a game together that is exciting, fresh, and worth exploring? The answer is plainly... Roleplay Revolution! Roleplay Revolution allows you to generate ready-to-run adventures in minutes. It comes complete with NPCs, monsters, maps, and more. What a hoot! Your adventures can be highly complex for even the most intelligent, or as simple as you require. Isn't that right, Timmy? Roleplay Revolution has powerful tools that let you tweak your adventure after initial creation, so don't worry about all those last-minute great ideas that you come up with. You start by just throwing out some of your favorite themes, movies, games, etc. Just to get the juices flowing a bit. Want to mix high fantasy with your favorite RPG title? Go crazy! A mustachioed plumbing brothers and steampunk? You got it. Your imagination is the limitation. Roleplay Revolution allows you to create the game you'd love to run, but just don't have the time to write. To spice it up even more... Let's assume that Tim and your other quote-unquote friends are indisposed for a long period of time. Never fear! Roleplay Revolution has an AI-powered DM named Oracle. That's nice. That will never leave and keep its time commitments. Oracle will run the adventures you generate for you. You can run the adventures solo with Oracle or have a GM for you and your friends. It's free to try. But we, Lawful Stupid, hope you'll hear this and go for the annual subscription. If you purchase the annual subscription and use the code LAWFULSTUPID at checkout, you'll get a whopping 20% off the total price. Head on over to RoleplayRev.com and let the games begin.
we shift once more. And we see Osiris wearing the banners, um, or the colors of the Phoenix Fortune Hunters. And he, he has done, I mean, years have passed since he's joined the Phoenix Fortune Hunters. And, and much like everyone else, the appeal of Agos has drawn you in. You find yourself at a bar. In fact, you find yourself at the Red Roof Inn sitting at the bar partaking um, their strange version of a rainbow bowl <laughs> and sitting next to you is a rather dapper young man with um, white hair and he's his clothes are a little out of sort but ultimately um, he looks looks like a well-pressed figure and his drink um, is unique you, you've never heard of it before um, but you did hear him ask the bartender for a chain breaker and the bartender didn't understand what it was in, in, until um, this figure this person explained it and, and he's, he's sitting there sipping on his ch- chain breaker next to you And uh, before you, before you know it, this figure pulls out of his breast breast pocket in his clothing a gem, the same size as the, the gem that you lost Delilah to, and it immediately brings you back. But this gem isn't black as night. It's roaring with the red of flame. And it's almost like he's looking into this gem and he's seeing something that you're not. And he's sitting right next to me, right? Uh, first of all, I'll have whatever he's having. Uh, the barkeep looks and goes, Ah, you want one of those chain breaker things? Yeah, if that's what he had, I'll have that. You know what? Get him one too. Yep. Give him another one. Uh, alright. And he, he does, and, and the uh, the figure kind of like doesn't really notice until um, the, the second chain breaker rolls up and he kind of looks up at the barkeep and looks at you and says, Um... Thanks, but wh- why? Well, I figured that whatever you had going on in that gym, I wanted to be a part of, and I figured you want to keep on being a part of. So, here's one's on me. That was a lot of fast talking. And then you referenced my gym and you bought me a drink. I, I'm a little suspicious of you already. Well, that's some fast listening there. You called everything I said. I'm interested yeah. in what you got. I used to have one of those. It's been a while. That you used to have a gem? Similar. Different oh. color. Yeah. It's, um... These things are interesting. Is it like a keepsake for you, or...? Hmm. It, it feels familial question do I happen I mean I feel like I would I feel like I'd be have it etched in my memory do I remember the phrase she said in Elvish even if I don't know Elvish do I remember the phrase roll a history check yes I don't know if it's gonna be anything but it would be great um all right history what you know about history crap not one of my strengths <laughs> that comment it's a one <laughs> what a cool moment this could have been carry on and so, um, you, you attempt I already did to it. say yeah, this. I already did it. Yeah, you attempt to say this elvish phrase, and, and this figure looks back and says, 
I'm sorry, I don't, I don't speak Elvis. Yes, right. Sorry, it's, a, it's something my old friend used to say. Prized possessions better kept prized in a way. Or just hmm. we're in a place with, and he looks around. Pretty shady characters. You know, that's a pretty nice piece of equipment you got there. Present company included. It sounds like. Well, I'm an archaeologist. Got a bit of a, a fancy for for things like that. So very interested in where you might have gotten it. Yeah, um, believe it or not, I found it. Yeah, it makes sense. It, but it, the weird thing, why am I telling you? Second or whatever this thing is, probably making you a little bit more honest than usual. <sighs> um, I just, I found it when I came here. It was just lying on the ground well where at I'd like to go see if there are more of them I'm, I'm a collector of fine things and gems and fancy things too um yeah there's like a hmm how do I say it um there's like a whole like race of people um that exists north of here I kind of came through their their gate thing. Okay, at this point, um, does my character know that this... We know who they are. Yes, Bomb. Do yeah, I, we they, know who they are. Do we know? Does the continent kind of know now? No? No. All right, not so... We talking dwarves here, got mountains. You went through the mountains, you found them. No, they look like... Wolves or bats or... I didn't... You know, I didn't stick around. I popped out of here, out of whatever that was. Listen, I'm not from here, man. So you're from... I'm not from here either. I'm from a couple continents over. Yeah, that's fair. I walked right into that one. Um, Yeah, well, I'm just a foreigner. Uh, But I found it. It was lying right there. I picked it right up. It just seemed... It seemed like to call out to me. And what did it say? Sun? I, I'm not really sure why the sun is important. Huh. <clears throat> if you like, I could uh, inspect it for you. I don't know what. What did? What did you say? Those that phrase was that your friend said. And he tries to recall because obviously whatever he it sounded foolish first. He tries to recall it again in perfect execution. Roll a <laughs> performance check. Because you remember what it was now. You just fucking failed. Or you mostly remembered it. 17. <laughs> There's a small gray puff of smoke that comes out of the gym. And the gym falls to the ground. Where it falls and lands on the bar right next to the two chain breakers one empty one half filled and this young man is no longer present and this gem is bright red and warm to touch it just like falls to the bar yeah it just falls on the bar I kind of look around for a minute see who saw that nobody that you can tell I have got to stop doing this. And so he grabs that gem up and he's going to skedaddle out of there. And on your way out, um, you bump into um, someone you know. Like, you bump into them. Like, you're trying to, like, scoot out the door. Uh, Ow! Uh, Sorry. And you you see the very familiar figure of Darling with her tails just floating through the air and she goes... Gosh darn it, Osiris! Ah, were you again? Slow down. You, you were just here. I thought we don't go to the same place, same time. You've already been to this one. I, listen, you've worked with Dad before, several times actually. Your company, unfortunately, or fortunately, yeah, depending on how you're feeling right now. Yeah, that's true. I'm, I, it's a mystery on how I feel. Um. 
You want to go on an adventure? <sighs> you know, I need <sighs> I need somebody with your expertise. In what way, particularly? Because I have a lot of them. Yeah, well, you're really good at finding things that aren't yours. Check. And collecting things that aren't yours. Check. Like that gem you have. Listen, finders, keepers, someone left it behind. And so I'm just doing them a favor and holding on to it for a period of time until, and he looks at it and goes, until they get back, I'm sure they'll be okay. And she looks at you. And she says, uh, that's a dangerous thing you're playing with there. You know where this is? I've had a couple, actually. So you know, then, that... And he, like, like does a series of winks, like, nods, head bob to, like, without saying, and, like, points into it, like, then, like, circles his own head. And, yeah, like, there's people inside them. You mean, you said people, not just person. Well, I mean, I've only I've only ran into gyms that have one person in them. But I, I guess I've been in one of the gyms, so like, you know, six to one, half dozen to the other. What do I do with this? Oh, you give it to me. And what do you do with it? I'm, I'm going to take it where we're going. And where are we going? To a whole new world. Amen. Great. Follow me. And she leads you to a door. She leads you to one of the doors of Goron. And she says, uh, all right, last chance. We go through these doors. There's no turning back. I've been asking you and your family to let me go on a trip. For I don't know how long. And Declan with all of his secrets and never want to invite me to something. And here one of his kids pops up and asks me to come on an adventure. My man just got sucked into a stone. I'm going. What? The thing I didn't want to say was the man. We we, we have time. Here, just... And you see uh, Darling just wrap a quick knock on the door. And open it. And there... you can't really see what's through. It's kind of um, murky. And she walks through and says, come on. And she walks in. He kind of looks around behind him. And I think he doesn't walk head first into it. He walks backwards into it. Like looking at And as, as you're walking. backing into it, the doors are like shutting on you. Okay. And as you go through this portal, you find yourself in the the um, corridors where all of these stained glass doors were and are and you hear the familiar voice say well not familiar to him familiar to other people say oh darling welcome back and that's where we're going to end your episode There's a shift as our view swirls and we see, we hear the crackle of lightning and we see the Grand Magus standing before the majestic form of an aquamarine dragon. His eyes are usually filled with determination. The Grand Magus reflects a somber resolve, almost a determination. And with a heavy heart, he knows what he has to do to stop this threat that's coming. This threat that's looming over all of these worlds and throughout these corridors. And he raises his right hand as he approaches this aquamarine dragon who, who seems to acknowledge him as as someone, as an acquaintance, as a friend. And um, the Grand Magus, like, pets this dragon. 
and you hear him say, Great Aquamarine Dragon. And you watch as the Grand Magus um, tightens his grip on the dragon and says, You should have listened. Your family should have listened. I don't want to do this. But the fate of countless lives rests on what I must do. And then the aquamarine dragon turns his head and looks at the Grand Magus. A mixture of understanding, acceptance, and sorrow. I have seen the weight you carry, mortal. This dragon's voice echoes in the air. But you must tread carefully. For the path you are embarking on may bring about consequences more catastrophic than any future you've envisioned. Grand Magus hesitates for a moment and he says, I must take the risk. Only by harnessing your power can I uncover the secrets needed to protect all the realms? And as as the Grand Magus speaks, his 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 arm, his gauntlet, it begins to glow, and and you we all can see the light pull from this beautiful dragon towards the Grand Magus. There's a, almost like a shimmering of stars that seem to, to dance beneath the scales of the dragon. And it, it, it almost flickers the lights inside this dragon as if contemplating its own demise and destiny. Yeah. You seek power, but power can be a double-edged sword. The Aqua Marine Dragon warned. Its voice filled with eons of wisdom. It may reveal truths that you may not be able to bear. I understand the risks, the Grand Magus replied, his voice tinged with anger and sadness. But I cannot stand idly by while darkness threatens all that I hold Dear. The tendrils of magic envelop the dragon, causing it to shimmer, causing it to swirl. The air crackles with the power, and a faint glow emanates from the dragon's form as it begins to flow into the Grand Magus. In that moment of connection, her minds intertwine. The Grand Magus feels a surge of raw energy and ancient knowledge flooding his senses. Visions of forgotten civilizations, the creation of the realms, and the very fabric of existence itself flashes before him. The Grand Magus kneels almost reflexively. <sighs> I see. The Grand Magus whispers, his eyes widening with awe and realization. As the knowledge continues to surge, the aquamarine dragon's voice reached out to him, its words filled with compassion. Remember, mortal, that power without wisdom can lead to destruction. Do not let hubris blind you to the consequences of your actions. I won't forget your warning, the Grand Magus vowed. Beads of sweat forming on his forehead as he 
struggles to contain the overwhelming influx of power. In that moment, the bond between them deepened, and the dragon's essence began to flow through him willingly, sensing the weight of responsibility that the Grand Magus chose to carry. You must be the difference, the dragon urged. Use this power to protect, to heal, and to preserve the harmony that holds the worlds together. As the magic settles, the torrent within him, the rage of power, subsides. The Grand Magus nods. Almost, he nods to someone who's not there anymore. With gratitude and reverence in his eyes, he says, I shall do as I must. The light fades. The energies recede. Grand Magus stands before the perch that this dragon once upon his demeanor transformed by this newfound power and the dragon's voice speaks one final time may the worlds find hope in your actions and may the future hold the light you seek with a solemn nod the Grand Magus bids the Aquamarine Dragon farewell, carrying the weight of its power and wisdom, now burdened with the immense responsibility of safeguarding the realms from the impending darkness. And we fade to black.